Hi, and welcome law firm owners to another episode of the Wildly Successful Law Firm Podcast. I'm your podcast host, Nermeen, and let's get right into today's question. So for this season of the podcast, I've been pulling questions out of my book, Zero to a Million Dollars, How to Grow a Wildly Successful Law Firm. And these are the top questions that I'm asked by lawyers about growing their law firm and hitting that, you know, very desired seven figure number. So now for a limited time until March 31st, 2023, if you purchase a copy of the book included in the price of the book is a response to a question that you have about your law firm from me. So it's a very limited time offer. Take it while you can. It's included in the price of the book and the link to get the book is below. Today's question that we are answering is one that I get quite a bit. And what usually happens is that law firm owners have started to see traction in their practice area. And naturally they've built up, you know, a client base and this client base is coming to them and saying, Hey, you know, I know you do this, but do you also do what? I know you do business law, but do you also maybe do, you know, immigration? or maybe business immigration. That's not that far, right? From business law in a client's mind, it feels like a hop and a skip, but we know from law school training and from law firm training, immigration and business to totally different things. So they're coming and they're asking you these questions. Hey, do you do this too? And do you do that too? Man, I really like working with you. Can you do this? Can you do that? And you're getting additional requests. And you start thinking to yourself, oh man, if I brought on an associate who could do business immigration for me, wow, I would be killing it. Think about all the things I could do with that money. I could pay off my student loans faster. I could buy something that's not a Toyota. I could, you know, whatever it is that you want to do, you start fantasizing about bringing on someone new and expanding your practice area. So in this episode, I'm going to tell you everything you need to ask yourself before you actually go down the road of expanding your practice area and whether or not you should do it. So here are the things that I recommend that you ask yourself. The first question that you're going to want to ask yourself is what's your current practice area and what's the practice area that you want to move into? Are they in any way related fields? Okay. So I'm going to tell you some common ones that I see and then some that just make absolutely no sense to me whatsoever. So if you are a trademark attorney who then decides to also start doing some copyright work, maybe just very light patent work. Okay. That makes sense. It's all under that umbrella. Okay. And if you are an immigration attorney that does family immigration, and now you're going to start doing business immigration, a okay. That makes sense to me. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay. If you are a criminal attorney who now wants to do immigration work, okay. That doesn't make as much sense to me. If you are in a personal injury attorney who wants to start doing business law, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me either. So the things that you want to ask yourself is how closely related are the fields that I want to expand into? Am I going to have to learn an entirely new skill set? And even if I hire someone for this skill set, that doesn't mean that you are scot-free by the way, 
you still have to have some awareness of that field of law so that if you ever get pulled in because that attorney is out, you're not committing malpractice because you've dropped the ball and that attorney is the only person who can handle that. So you want to make sure that you've got a plan in place uh, for an area of law that you know nothing about. And you don't want to put yourself on the hook and overextend yourself now. Now you're going from business to criminal law. These are so far apart. You're going from non-litigation, generally speaking, to a more litigation intense environment. You want to ask yourself, am I ready to be in court? Do I want to be in court? It, what happens if the attorney that I hire doesn't show up to court and now I'm on the hook for going because it's my firm that's signing off on these documents, not just the attorney. It's the attorney of the name of my firm. So I really want you to think about this before you start sort of spaghetti against the wall. I'm going to go into this area because other people keep asking me about it and sure, why not? I'm going to expand, 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 expand. Sometimes expanding doesn't make sense. And sometimes you need to make sure you're asking yourself the right questions before you overextend yourself instead of expanding yourself. There's a difference between those two things. All right, let me share with you the next question I want you to ask yourself before you decide that you are going to expand your practice area for your law firm. Hey, law firm owners, take two seconds right now and please hit the like and subscribe button below. It goes a long way for the growth of this channel that just helps other law firm owners like you do the right things to grow their practice. Thank you so much. This next question is often the most overlooked question when it comes to expanding your practice area. And I often see people doing napkin math instead of actual Excel spreadsheet math, which is the kind of math I want you to do if you're going to expand into a new practice area. The thing I want you to think about is how many clients are asking you for this additional practice area and what is the financial value, the financial revenue growth for your firm from these clients who are asking for this additional practice area. I want you to ask yourself seriously, has it been three clients in the last year who said, oh, you know, you should really start a criminal practice? Or is it like three clients every single month for the last three years? There is a huge difference in the potential value of business that you can get if it's just three people who made like these sideways comments to you of, oh, you know, you should do this for you to actually start thinking about it. Just because three people say it doesn't mean that you should do it. You need to have evidence of multiple people over an extended period of time asking you to provide this additional service area. If you have that, then I want you to put a dollar number to it. So is it $20,000 in business for the entire year or is it $20,000 in business every single month for the foreseeable future. Those are two very different mathematical revenue numbers. To be honest, if you're going to expand your practice area for 20 G's for a year and that's it, dear Lord, do not do it. I'm begging you. Okay. But if you're going to expand your practice area for 20 G's a month, and you can find an associate at six and a half to eight and a half thousand a month, plus taxes, plus everything else, $10,000, then 
then you have a 50% profitability on this additional practice area. And that makes sense financially, right? But keep in mind that none of this is guaranteed. These are projections. A projection is a best guess, okay? It's not guaranteed. It's like going into the courtroom and saying, well, I really don't know how the judge is gonna rule. I don't know if they're gonna rule in our favor or not. There's no guarantee of yes, for certain, the judge is gonna go in your favor. You can want for it, you can wish for it, you can hope for it, but only the judge is going to know how he or she is going to decide, and then you are with that ruling. So I say all of that to say, a projection is a guess. It's not guaranteed. So even if you've had three years of three clients every month telling you you need to expand this practice area, that still doesn't mean that it's guaranteed money in your pocket, in your bank account. It's not guaranteed in that way. It is a guesstimate, okay? So keep that in mind. And as you are answering this question for yourself, I'm gonna tee you up with the next question here, okay? All right, so let's say you have said to yourself, yes, I'm gonna expand, these areas are similar, I've got enough evidence to show that I could really make some money from this for my firm. The next thing that you're naturally gonna ask yourself then is, okay, who's gonna do this work for me? Who's gonna be this attorney that you hire who's going to take on this additional work? Now, even if you identify that person, let's say it's someone that you've come across in your years of practicing, someone you know who's unhappy at another firm, a recruiter has mentioned this person to you, whatever that situation is, I want you to think beyond the initial hire period because it's not enough that you found them and that you've interviewed them and they, they, they seem great and wonderful and they're super experienced and you'll never have to go into traffic court ever. Okay, still slow down and ask yourself, do you have 90 days to effectively train this new employee? They are not coming on as a rogue employee or as a consultant. They are an employee of your firm, which means do they reflect the values of your firm? Are they a good culture fit for you? Do they show up on time? Do they submit documents on time? Or are they a little bit sloppy? And you know, it takes a few corrective cycles before things are done correctly. What is their reputation for getting things done? And the reason I'm asking these questions is because anytime you hire a new employee, you want to make sure that you've given yourself on your calendar 90 days to effectively train this person. I mean, we're gonna spend mon every Monday two hours between 3 and 5 p.m. and we're going to go over everything that you need to learn about my firm and how I do things, my filing system, how I save documents, how to use Clio, how we use Clio internally and what our processes are and this is when payroll is submitted and all of that stuff, okay? Do not ignore that step, it is a crucial step and if you are a smaller firm, the odds are you don't have a practice manager or an office manager who can do these things. And even if you do, you still need to guide them on making sure that they're doing things according to the way that you want them to do it. This can't be the wild, wild west where you do things your way in, in the process that you follow and then you've got another employee who's doing things their way 
and it's completely different from your processes, right? Then it feels more like a contractor relationship, not an actual employment relationship. And you want to make sure that they are, they are following your processes and everything is cohesive. You don't want it to be messy because then when someone like me comes in as an operational consultant is like, how are they doing it that way? And how are you doing it this way? You use Clio, they use my case. Oh my God, what is going on? I have seen way too many of those situations happen. So I want you to make sure that whoever you're bringing on, you have time to effectively train every Monday from three to 5 p.m. for the first 90 days. People need that training. People need to, to feel like you care enough to provide that training. I will tell you that one of my first few legal jobs, my I worked in-house counsel and my general counsel, my boss would have me come into her office and we would review contracts together. And she would tell me, okay, this is what I'm looking for. This is why I don't like this verbiage. This is the things that we wanna negotiate for it meant the world to me and sometimes we would be in her office for hours like i mean three and four hours and and did my butt get tired from sitting in one place absolutely did i get tired of seeing that same contract yes of course i did but it helped me grow so much as an attorney because i was able to see in black and white this is what the company needs from me this is this is what's required when I am doing good work, this is good work, this is mediocre work. It really gave me a very clear understanding of where I needed to excel as an employee in that company. So I want you to think about your employee the same way. I want you to give them the time that they deserve and the training that they deserve. You can't just dump them on someone else and say, hey, paralegal, show this new person the way around. When that happens, they're not likely to say, I'm so sorry to say that, but they, they're not connected to you. They have no relationship with you. There's no reason for them to stay if someone else comes along. So if you're gonna go down this road of expanding your practice area and you're gonna expect that someone's gonna come in and just run that department for you, please, please, please make sure that you have spent time training them and connecting with them and getting to know them as an attorney and their ways of doing things and making sure that they understand your way of doing things as well. Okay, the final thing here that I want you to ask yourself is this. I want you to ask yourself who will generate business, new business for this new field of law that you are practicing now? Is it going to be that attorney who's now also responsible for business development? Or are you going to be the face that's bringing in, for example, business immigration and business law? Like, are you the face of all of this? Because if so, let me ask you something. If the current business that you've projected for dries up, you are then going to have to go out and get that business. Or is that new attorney? Make that very clear at the hiring phase. 
Make it very clear for yourself at the yes, I want to expand phase because I don't want you to expand and then all of a sudden the business dries up. You have an attorney on your payroll who can't bring anything in because the work has dried up and it's just money that you're losing every month. Five, six, seven thousand where you thought you were going to be making 20,000 a month or 15,000 a month. Whatever that number is, you want to make sure that there's clear communication of Okay, so I've got these clients and then we've got these past clients who need this work, but you are also responsible for doing uh, these specific marketing activities. You have to make sure that you are generating business for yourself. For the, for the business that you generate, you get X percentage more. If you wanna do it that way, you don't have to do it that way, but you can. Or you just feed all the business to them and they are just doing the work right? This is more of your rainmaker model. So you are the face of the business. You bring in all the business, you bring in the business, and then you have them do all of the work. The thing I want you to keep in mind is if you're going to take on the rainmaking responsibilities for this new attorney, then you're going to have to readjust your schedule to make sure that you are spending at least an hour, two, three more a week for this new practice area. Do not fool yourself into thinking that you can just expand and do no business development and do no marketing. That's a fallacy. It's a logical fallacy. A lot of attorneys get caught up into it. That's not the way that things work. Okay. So just be very clear with yourself on where the business is going to come from, what happens when it dries up and who's responsible for bringing in new business. All right, my friends, that is everything for this episode. And I hope that you've got a lot of value from this. Um, I'm hoping that you are able to take this in a very practical way um, when you are deciding to expand your practice area. So all of that being said, thank you so much for listening into this episode. Oh, and by the way, if you got value from this, please like and subscribe. It goes a very long way. Thank you so much, my friends. See you in the next episode. Bye.